Stewardship of the Earth. Today's sermon is a sequel to last week's intergenerational service to honor Earth Day. It is an affirmation of the energy and commitment that keeps us ever focused on this critical issue. Stewardship of the Earth is about our pledge to care. It is a lifestyle chosen freely. It is a promise to our children and to the whole interdependent web of existence of which we are all a part. Everyone in this room knows how important it is to nurture those young, inquisitive minds, minds that will grow up to be sharp minds, fiercely engaged. They just may be the doers who saved the planet from withering away due to the inability of this generation to turn the tide before it's too late. Plan for seven generations, say the Cherokee wisdom keepers. Remember that it takes a village to raise a child and a good religious education program to inspire a child's dreams. It takes a stimulating environment to nurture a child's natural exploration. It takes both youth and adults to model good practices that will help the children find their way. It takes the love of learning to test ideas and search for the unexpected. In short, it takes lots of hours and dollars to build a religious education program that will survive our children. I believe, too, that stewardship of the earth will continue to ask more of us. No doubt some of you, if not many of you, have been practicing what you preach for a long time now. You will help young and old raise awareness about the fragility of our planet in ways we can be part of the solution. Now, some of you might be thinking, duh, this isn't news. We already know that the planet is under attack, and for any number of reasons. Can we really make a significant difference when so many issues need immediate attention? I hope so, but I don't know. What I'm aiming for today is a more positive way to talk about this topic because it's so easy to fall into the rut of anger and despair. Too often it feels like so little is being done. But let us remember the teachers and parents and mentors who have given of their awesome talent and precious time to serve particularly the young ones in this faith community. It is a joy to get to honor them today with the Appreciation Luncheon, where we will celebrate the sacrificial efforts that nurture the stewardship of the next generation. Praise and gratitude also to those who chose to support the church's combined campaign. You give joyfully because you know that it matters. You stretch your pledge again because you know that the strong and visible presence of Unitarian Universalism in Kalamazoo and beyond matters a lot. Today, we celebrate the donations 
that sustain and proclaim the values of this religious tradition. A small tradition, yes, but still it means so much to so many. And we celebrate collectively the fragile earth that is our home, our inspiration, our sustenance, our survival. I tie together these treasures, one, our children and the adults who stimulate their young minds and grace them with loving care, and two, the members and friends who know very well that their financial contributions sustain the institution itself while waves of good deeds extend further than we can know. And three, we honor those Mother Earth types who go to great lengths to make lifestyle changes and institutional changes to improve the odds of sustainability as well as those who are in a position to set policies or take action in ways that say we must do this for the sake of our children and the children of the world. Especially when life has been good to us, I can imagine us stopping for a moment to feel that strong desire to play it forward. Some will continue to plant flowers and grow vegetables without toxins. She will raise free-range hens organically and sell the eggs to people's people. He mows the lawn with a push mower, fossil fuel free. Others build tree houses and bird houses. Some gathered friends to help create a beautiful memorial garden a creation that speaks to the heart and reminds us all that we will someday return to the ground or to the sea. Some have brought information about green burials, which bypass not only the embalmed body in the fancy coffin, but also the extreme amount of toxins that are the byproduct of cremation. We adults will bring our part. The children will learn from their parents and teachers and peers to be good stewards. And as the world turns, adults will likely find good reason to keep learning from the children and the teenagers and the young adults because now is the time. Now is the time to honor Earth's bounty by doing everything we can to protect it. Are we ready to walk softly on the Earth? I say that with earnest, yet I don't practice what I preach to the extent that I want to. I would prefer to drive an electric car but I know the overall impact of even the electric vehicle is problematic because the disposal of the battery is very toxic. I'm still driving a 15-year-old car that contributes to one of the major crises in the developed world. At least it's only a four-cylinder, and I never drive more than 55 miles an hour you can imagine the road ragers when they get behind this granny. 
And it's not just fossil fuel that has already put the survival of the earth in great jeopardy. There are many more culprits than we think. But I'm not going to remunerate here because we all have easy access to the science of climate change. The facts are mind-boggling. And this is not about making anyone feel badly. It's more like I just wonder what it would take to turn the world around. I wonder what it would take to reset the mindset of smart people who know this is for real. But most of us don't get out of our comfort zone enough to make stewardship of the earth a priority. Even as unitarian universalists who have an edge on reality, we don't always take seriously what we read in the Scientific American or the Utney Reader, National Geographic or any number of other voices that are trying against all odds to get progressive-minded people to make the significant personal and institutional changes that could possibly prevent the horror stories backed by science. Those horror stories are sounding an awfully lot like Armageddon. So let's stop there for a moment. Let's stop at the wars and rumors of wars. Let's be mindful and aware, but not chewed up about it because we need to keep a healthy reserve of wanting to do the right thing, whatever that is. We let our intelligence and our love keep us grounded. We let our heart and soul be our guide. We let hope and action be our shining light. From a book called Small Wonder by one of my favorite authors, Barbara Kingsolver, published in 2002, she writes, I have tried to teach my children to love nature as my parents taught that reverence to me. Through example, proximity, and plenty of field guides, and age-appropriate geology books. I cherish the wild things in my backyard, but I feel like I am a colonist on occupied territory. I feel like we are wiping nature off our map because we have had the chance, we have not had the chance to get to know it well. Many scientists predict we will lose about a quarter of the world's wildlife over the next two decades. What we are witnessing now is the most catastrophic extinction since the dinosaurs died. It looks like Rome is burning, and plenty of people are fiddling as it burns. Other frightening imperatives have distracted us so far from the program of benevolence toward our planet that it seems we might just try to burn the whole world for fuel to keep ourselves cozy. Cozy. Is that our goal? According to the United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization, Raising animals for food is one of the leading causes of both pollution and resource depletion. For example, 
It takes 990 liters of water to produce one liter of milk. 990 to one. The UN report further stated that what we eat actually has more impact on the environment than what we drive. Whoa. There is much more to say, but I hope you will indulge me for a moment to share a brief story from my recent flight above the clouds. It was a long day of travel from San Antonio to D.C. to our home in Dayton, almost 13 hours with weather, plane replacements, and delays. But that last leg made it all worth it. I was above the clouds in a window seat on the side of the plane that let me watch the big red sun slowly going down, but not without first brushing the tips of the clouds that were just underneath the plane. Pink cloud tips. And you've probably had experiences like this. I could not take my eyes off those elegant clouds and their slow dance. I imagine myself jumping into the celestial clouds as though I were a child jumping on the bed. I could picture myself rolling horizontally through the clouds, sensing that I would not fall because something of that exquisitely beautiful visual gift of the natural world would hold me. For 45 minutes, I was mesmerized and could do nothing but simply watch the clouds play. For 45 minutes, the plane stayed up with the pink-tipped clouds that were slowly racing toward the sun. I was the grateful recipient of awe and wonder. This was the beauty of the earth as I wanted to know it. And yet, this view was not pristine. The layers of smog looked heavy and unforgiving. Both images told their story. Seeing Mother Earth from above the clouds, I also saw the gases that were dangerously eating away the ozone protection. My heart felt both awesome wonder and deep sadness. Where do we go from here? Which way will save the day? I don't know. I know only that climate change is real. And so many smart people are acting as though we've got all the time in the world to bring our selfishness under control. Earth in the balance. Ecology and the human spirit. I close with words from a man who sounded the alarm in 1992, 30 years after the publication of Rachel Carson's Silent Spring from Al Gore. Every education is a kind of inward journey, and my study of the global environment has led me to realize the extent to which our current public discourse is focused on the shortest of short-term values and encourages the American people to join us politicians in avoiding the most important issues 
and postponing the really difficult choices. I have come to believe that the world's ecological balance depends on more than just our ability to restore a balance between civilization's ravenous appetite for resources and the fragile equilibrium of the Earth's environment. It depends on more even than our ability to restore a balance between ourselves as individuals and the civilization we aspire to create and sustain. In the end, we must restore balance within ourselves between who we are and what we do. Each of us must take a greater personal responsibility for this deteriorating global environment. Each of us must take a hard look at the habits of mind and action that reflect and have led to this grave crisis. The more deeply I search for the roots of the global environmental crisis, the more I am convinced that it is an outer manifestation of an inner crisis that is, for the lack of a better word, spiritual the more deeply I search for the roots of the global environmental crisis, the more I am convinced that it is an outer manifestation of an inner crisis that is, for lack of a better word, spiritual. Here at People's Church, we are a people of love. We are a people of hope. We are a people of change. Amen and blessed be.